Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. This is the Vice Guide to Right Now, your inside look into the best of Vice. It's Monday, February 18th. I'm Sophie Casas. Today, we're talking about the mounting problem of student debt and why this issue is so rarely discussed by policymakers, who instead so often seem to prefer to fixate on national debt. How many young people or couples do you know who actually own their own home? For me, when I think about it, it's really not that many. In a country where so many millennials have to prioritize paying off student debt, it makes sense that homeownership rates have been lagging behind those of other generations at the same age. But while student debt is a huge and growing problem that young people want to talk about, for some reason, the majority of policymakers choose to ignore it and instead point most of their attention on the national debt. Today, we've got Vice Editor Harry Cheadle talking to Vice's news editor, Matt Taylor, about why national debt seems to be stealing the spotlight from young people struggling under the weight of student debt. So, Matt, you wrote a great article about two different things and how they're related. Uh, One is the national debt, which some pundits are very um, exercised about and think is a huge problem. And one is the student debt, which people... I think, generally regarded as a less serious problem. So I want to start with the national debt. Why are some people so worried about it? I think the short answer is that it keeps getting bigger. And there's sort of a perception that follows and tracks from the way human beings in any society, but certainly in ours, approach personal finance and their own economic situation, which is that you want to be in less debt, ideally, one year than you were the year before. And and in theory, you want to pay it off and sort of be above water. And, you know, I think part of that is just a sort of maybe uniquely American, it may be tied up in the sort of Protestant work ethic ethos a little bit, where it's like being underwater, whether in your own life or when it comes to the national government, is bad. And so I think the debt keeps getting worse. We, we added to it a lot in the aftermath of the financial crisis. A lot of billions and billions of dollars were thrown at the economy, both banks and, to somewhat lesser extent, regular people in the form of stimulus, et cetera. And it just blew up again in the last year or so because of the Trump tax cuts, which were overwhelmingly targeted at the rich. Um, And as you've actually written about, and we've both kind of touched on in our writing and reporting, it did exactly what critics, most of the Democrats, said it would do. It it jacked up the deficit, which in turn jacks up the total debt. And ultimately, there's a perception out there that the way the United States has been running its economy, running its government is unsustainable, that essentially its chickens will come home to roost sooner or later. 
So I think recently the debt crossed $22 trillion. Is that not a problem? Do you think, like, what's the argument for that being less of a problem than people generally think it is? Because that's a big number. It is a big number. And I personally have found myself kind of vacillating a little bit on this, even as in the course of writing and, and editing the piece that we're talking about. I think what one needs to keep in mind is that the U.S., in terms of the debt to GDP ratio, which is sort of a key metric that is used to compare like what is the total national debt or how deeply underwater is the country versus like how big is its economy and how big is it growing in any given year, we've had ratios at least in the ballpark of the one we have now in the past. I mean, World War II is a good example. The numbers may not line up perfectly, but like we've been in a similar situation before. And what I think you might argue, and, and it's a little more complicated than this, but World War II happened to be followed, all of that debt, all of that spending by the government as part of the wartime effort was followed by decades of prosperity, what's often referred to as the Great Compression, when actually the divide in income between the super rich and everyone else actually shrank. That's not to say that like the solution to income inequality is to just run up national debt per se, because again, you can do that in ways that focus on the rich that don't actually help regular people. But there's certainly an argument to be made, and we can get into sort of the most sophisticated version of that argument, but there's certainly a case to be made that the debt in and of itself is not a reason to panic. But let, let's talk a little about student debt now, which is in many ways kind of the opposite of national debt, because national debt is something that the government owes, but ordinary people don't really have to worry about in the short term. But your student loans are something that a lot of people have to worry a lot about every month if they're paying off huge payments. So I guess I'm wondering, do you think that student loans are a societal problem or just individual burdens that people have to bear? My personal view is that it's a societal problem, even if I think part of what we're talking about and the way the country talks about debt, which I tried to interrogate in the piece, is that it's very much a personal one, right? And I think this goes back to, not to harp on the point, but the idea of sort of Protestant work ethic and individual work being kind of cultural linchpins of our society. It's not to say that debt sustained by individuals is not sometimes a source of shame or uh, something that people deem problematic in other countries, but the United States seems to really emphasize in a lot of the way of it runs its programs, the way its government operates, the way it regards people in debt, in its culture, essentially that these people are in trouble because of their own mistakes. That if if you've racked up a ton of student debt, if you've racked up a ton of credit card debt, that's on you. And, and ultimately, that's your problem and not something that the government should have to deal with, which is a, a long-term, it's a long-term trope in our society that people who are not of tremendous means and who might have to rack up debt to survive, or in the case of student loans, to try to expand their own economic opportunities, essentially the government shouldn't be bailing them out. I mean, you can connect this if you want to sort of tropes uh, in terms of right-wing politics about welfare queens and other undeserving people who've received generous things uh, from the government. And I think we had a GI Bill after World War II. We had a lot of programs that were designed to helping people go to college and get educated. And and ultimately, these programs have come to be regarded by some people as sort of affirmative action for white people that we actually have provided really generously. But when it comes to 
attending college, especially in the last 20, 30, 40 years, accumulating student debt as tuition rates have increased has become increasingly inevitable for a lot of young people. And those degrees just often aren't worth it. And that's not just me saying that. There are a lot of people in the sort of debt and education space who really feel that like we've kind of reached a point where that calculus that seems so obvious no longer is quite as obvious. Are we at a point where it's not worth it to go to college anymore? Or is it just not worth it for certain kinds of degrees or certain forms of education? I think it's really difficult to talk about that responsibly. And I guess by that, I mean, when you talk to experts who think student loans as an institution are a scam, and there are experts out there who feel that way, I've talked to some of them myself, they're reluctant to say that it's not still worthwhile to get a college education because statistically speaking, you are looking at more income both in any given year and over the course of your life if you do have a college degree. I mean, a lot of opportunities just won't be open to you otherwise. I think it does have something to do with specific degree tracks and expectations, but it also has to do with are you attending a private four-year school that maybe isn't delivering a whole lot of value relative to a community college or public school? And are you really weighing the pluses and minuses in a way that's helpful? The other thing is that a lot of jobs in the trades are sitting empty. I mean, we have had more open job listings in the United States. I believe the stat was just reported I believe it came from the Labor Department, but it was just reported in the last week that there are more kind of unfilled jobs right now than there have been in recent memory, which is not to say that that means people should drop out of school and start applying for those jobs, but it's not as clear as maybe it seemed in the 80s or 90s or even early 2000s that seeking really expensive specialized education is the only or even the best way to sort of develop your own adult existence. So it seems like there's a couple like related problems. One is the problems faced by young people who are thinking about going to school and looking at the cost and looking about going into debt. And then the other problem is people who are already in debt. And it seems like there needs to be um, different solutions to those problems. Are any experts or any politicians talking about ways to address this sort of thing? Yeah, I mean, I think what's interesting about the 2020 presidential race, which has already started and has centered on a handful of big names, some of whom are really inspiring and interesting to people, is that some of the most resonant policies or policies that would probably actually affect the day-to-day lives of young people in particular have actually been proposed or at least touched on by some of the sort of fringe or also-ran figures. So you've got like a congressman, Eric Swalwell, and you've got other politicians who are not necessarily mainstream and certainly not top-tier candidates who have talked in some detail about whether it's something like canceling debt, which is something that some experts are proposing, or at least proposing ways of writing it down or reducing the overhead for people in national legislation. You've also got the other problem you touched on, which is people who haven't gone to school yet. And that's a little more mainstream. I think the idea of free college, thanks in part to Bernie Sanders' last campaign, is a little more kind of in the center of the debate. But the idea, again, that we should help people or even, as some might put it, bail out people who've already taken on debt, that's still a little more fringe. And I think that's just, again, because there's a deep cultural resistance to the idea of bailouts. We saw it in the context of the financial crisis and and big financial companies, but we also see it 
in the idea of, of people's own personal situations. I mean, it's worth remembering that the sort of Tea Party movement somehow was actually launched by like an on-air rant by a financial reporter about the idea of helping people who are underwater on their mortgages. And I think there remains a, a hesitation whether it's young people who are just out of school or people who are in their 50s or 60s or 70s who also often are still dealing with incredible student debt to help those people, to actually write down their their total debt or even help them pay it on a month-to-month basis. To bring it back to the national debt, it seems like anything that the country does on this or a lot of different issues, it's going to have the effect of increasing the debt. In order to address these problems, does the country have to sort of just accept the fact that the debt is just going to keep growing and growing and growing? Is that is that like something you see on the horizon? I think probably. And it's not just because what was once a fringe idea, what's called modern monetary theory, is increasingly mainstream. That is the idea that actually the government, except for perhaps worrying a bit at the margins about inflation, can continue to rack up debt without consequence. That's out there. And I think that may be shaping the views of some politicians, certainly some of the newer wave of sort of democratic socialist or democratic socialist sympathizing politicians. But I think more generally, even the people who've been on Capitol Hill for decades, they know that the debt is going to continue rising, that with the exception of someone like Bill Clinton in the 90s, who did actually manage to start paring down the the deficit to the point that we actually had a surplus and chip away at the debt, that the way the political system operates in this country just often doesn't serve to deal with problems that are that structural. And so I think you've got this kind of cottage industry of often elderly people who have been kind of banging the drum about the national debt and the deficit for a long time, and they they want it addressed. That in the abstract, I think, is something most people would not object to. But often what what those people actually want to do is cut Social Security or Medicare or cut specific programs that are popular amongst young people. And this maybe gets a bit at what inspired me to write this piece, which was this idea that we're sort of mortgaging our children's futures if we continue to rack up national debt. It's not so much that that is like inherently wrong, but that it's deeply disingenuous to me to suggest that we're mortgaging young people's futures by racking up national debt, which we've done for generations. And some of those generations did overall just fine and not address at all the fact that we are actually mortgaging almost what feels like an entire generation of young people with student debt who won't be able to escape it. It's rare that you actually hear about people who are young, who are familiar with what millennials might like to call late capitalism or late stage capitalism, who are really fired up and concerned about the debt. Those people exist. And it's not to say that like fiscal conservatism or the idea of like the government being responsible and cutting, say, excess defense spending isn't out there. It is. But when it comes to a lot of the ambitious stuff that young, often left-leaning people who seem to have some of the energy in politics right now want, things that are ambitious, like free college at public universities, things like Medicare for All, things like the Green New Deal, the expectation underpinning all of those things is that the government will take on a lot more debt and that it won't necessarily be a problem. Right. So you're saying that a lot of young people would rather have free college than worry about some sort of like hypothetical number that's floating above them. I think that's right. And it's again, it's not to say that when you ask in polls that even young people don't express concern about the debt. It's rare that you're going to say to someone, 
is it bad that there's a large and growing national debt? And they will say, no, it's not bad. That seems to me, it's sort of intuitive that this would be of concern or something that in an ideal world you might like to see reduced. But practically speaking, the government is in a position, given that inflation has not really emerged as a problem, given that the sort of longer term more existential concerns about the idea of, say, another country like China buying up a lot of debt and kind of wielding over the United States. These fears about accruing more and more debt don't tend to really have a ton of bearing in short or even medium term dangers to the country. There just isn't a lot there, in my opinion, that people actually have to be worried about. And when we do have the more pressing day-to-day, how am I going to pay rent? How am I going to make my next loan payment concerns? It just seems increasingly not just disingenuous, but kind of bad faith to argue that we should be focusing on one number, the 20-plus trillion debt number, and not the one-and-a-half trillion debt number that is student loan debt. You can read the full story at vice.com. That's it for now. Thanks so much for listening. And make sure to tune in again on Wednesday for another Vice Guide to Right Now.